But yeah, no, I've always I think I've always, I think it's maybe like a lifetime of like Spike Lee, Woody Allen, and Martin Scorsese, Scorsese movies. I've just always had like a weird affinity with New York. <laughs> I don't know why, but if you, it's kind of like in a lot of ways, it's quite like Glasgow anyway. So it's just much bigger. But you know, they've got like the same attitude. <laughs> uh, maybe the sense of humour is similar. Um, there's, you know, there's a lot. Of, if you look at the history, there's quite a lot of parallels with the two cities. I think they actually. The two police forces actually worked together in the seventies to like clean the cities up and shared tactics and all that kind of stuff. So, really? Oh, like yeah. Scotland Yard or? Uh, no, no, that's England. That's London. Um, just the the what is the Glasgow why did, Police. Why do they call it Scotland Yard if it's England? I think it's Scotland Yard is the name of the street the place. Yeah, I think it was like the name of the compound or something. I don't know. I, I did read about it one time. But it's, uh, but I, th- I don't think that's the official name. I think their official name's like the Metropolitan Police Force or something. But the Scot- I think Scotland Yard is maybe the name of like the headquarters, and it just became like the unofficial name. But it has nothing to do with Scotland, <laughs> like nothing. So see, learn something new every day. Hey, hey, Bob, you go to uh, New York every now and then, right? Yeah, we our my home office is there. Yes. And then, Richard, how many times have you been to New York now? Three, just. Not that many. Which is interesting because I've never been to New York and I've lived in America really? for four decades Forever. now. Forever? Never, ever. Do you Think have any interest in it? Or is it just like something not, you don't really... Not really. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm, I'm from a small town. I mean, the corn is about as tall as I can handle around here. So <laughs> I don't know if I can handle those giant skyscrapers myself. Dude, think about Chicago and then think about 10 of those fitting inside of New York. Well, Chicago already terrifies me, so you're not helping. uh, No, that's what I'm saying. New York is gigantic. It's very, well, actually, it's not that compressed, but yeah, it makes Chicago feel small. It's pretty compressed. Let me show you. Let me find this picture, right? Uh, I did take some great photos, by the way. Yeah, you have Instagram, right? That was, um, see, what I did, because I've, I think Kevin and I have spoken about this, but um, so last time I went, I've always I've always liked photography, but I think like last Christmas Eve, I decided to buy like a half decent camera. Like it's not, it's a kind of entry level, right? But it's like 10 times better than an iPhone. You don't know that until you, <laughs> until you get one and you're like, oh. So this time I wanted to go and take all the pictures again with a proper camera. But while I was doing that, I kind of felt like, well, I should be posting some stuff for, like, family to see. So I was taking, like, one or two pictures on the iPhone, like, selfies and stuff. So I haven't really even processed all the all the camera pictures yet. I, don't, I did I did put up the time-lapse that I did. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, you've, I like your time-lapse stuff. It's very cool. Did you see the time-lapse I did of, of New York from Jersey City? Yes. I put it on my YouTube. It's awesome. Right, so I don't know if you can see this picture. Uh, we can, but the the listeners won't be able to. So yeah, this is just for you. Right. So, what do you think of that picture? Uh, it's pretty good. I got right. the small window thing going, so I can't tell. So, so uh, what's your Instagram? So is that bear. Uh, <laughs> it's got darker for some reason. Hang on. Oh wait, I've just got this new iPhone ten. Right, I don't know how to work it yet. What's it's your right. What's your Instagram better. handle? I think it's just Terrace Richard. It's not on there, right? 
So see this photo that you're looking at right now? Yes. That's a, that's a picture of Glasgow. Oh, yeah. Which people are shown in New York. They're like, oh, that looks like the city. You are listening to The Bob and Kevin Show with Bob Beatty Bar and Kevin Gisheski. Each week we cover relevant tech and social issues related to technology. And more weeks than not, we're joined by special guests to add additional perspective to our topics. Our website is bobandkevin.show. And our episodes can be found on virtually any podcast network. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just search for Bob and Kevin Show. Hey Bob, what are we doing today? Kevin, we have a special guest on the show today. It's been a while since we've had one on. I'll let our guest introduce himself after we do our little thing. But today, we're going to talk about what developers might do for fun other than development and maybe development fun as well. And we might also touch upon uh, some recent Apple conversations because there's some hot new stuff that got released this week, at least in my opinion. And uh, just our typical and regular meandering and whatnot. I am Bob Beatty Bar, and my co-host is me. It's Kevin. Say hey, Kevin. <laughs> hey, Kevin. And we have a special guest in house tonight. Go ahead and say hello and introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Richard Terrace from Glasgow. Uh, what else do you want to know? <laughs> what do you do for your day gig, Richard? Yeah. What do I do for the gig? I am a contract software engineer which means I go to other people's offices and break their stuff. Nice. Oh, and, and, the, and you yeah, they got, pay you to do so, right? They pay, me, <laughs> they pay me quite well to do so. And you just started a new contract, is that right? Yeah, I just finished one uh, at the end of August. I started a new one on, on Monday this week, in fact. <clears throat> so it's slightly different because it's based in Edinburgh, whereas I'm in Glasgow, and uh, I have to go through to their office one day a week. How long is that commute? It's like an hour on the train. So it means like to get there for like nine, I have to be up at maybe like 6.15 to get ready and then walk down to the train station and all that stuff. So, so it's, it's much longer day. But the rest of the week, I, <clears throat> well, they said I can work from home, but I don't, rather than work from home, I've rented some, some shared, you know, a desk in a shared office. Like, and it's literally like one block away from here. <laughs> so why did you do the shared office space? Because I feel like I'm less productive when I'm working at home. There's too many distractions. Um, and it also, I think because I, I worked from home for like two years, I, um, it can get quite sort of isolating at times when you're, you know, when you're at home all day and then all night. <clears throat> um, so, and because I don't, uh, as you're probably aware, I no longer have my four-legged friend with me. So um, I don't have that that restriction anymore of having to be home all day or, you know, or, or to get home at lunchtime and so on. So uh, I figured just get me out of the house. Yeah. Sorry about so. that. Losing a pet totally sucks. Yeah. yeah. Totally. It does. It does. So, uh, yeah, it's getting like, because I, so because the last contract I was on, I would start at 7 a.m. It's pretty early. Um, I would go to bed at 9, 9.30 at night. And all the, the like the jam sessions, the open mic musical things that I like to go to, which I'm sure we'll cover. <laughs> um, they they don't start until like nine thirty at night, so I was missing all that for like 
six months and I went along on Tuesday night to one for the first time in six months and I was talking to someone who I hadn't seen for maybe a year and we were just chatting, you know, and then he said, so so how's Alfie? And I was like, oh, you don't know. So, yeah, that kind of stuff's happening where you go along kind of okay, think you're okay and then something reminds you and you're just like, oh, again, just completely flat. So, it's really tough. Um, so, I don't want to talk dwell on that too much and bring the whole tone of the show down. No, no, we'll, we'll move on from that. You had mentioned, <laughs> uh, you had mentioned hanging out uh, in the music scene. So, is the music scene pretty good where you are or is it just because that's part of your life? Uh, no, I mean, Glasgow's, Glasgow's got a huge music scene right through from, uh, you know, sort of open mic sessions where someone will just kind of host it and you'll you know give people a shout and you can maybe play a song for a beer and then you have like jam sessions where there's sort of house band that will play maybe 30 minutes set and then they start getting on you know like so there's a guitarist there and a drummer there and they've swapped guys out and you know um and everyone gets kind of two songs uh those are fun yeah those are good but those tend to be kind of i think more well, t- technically speaking, they're supposed to be more blues because I think that's kind of uh, a simple music to play. I mean, maybe not to play it well, but to play it. Um, but whereas whenever friends and I go on, it becomes like a rock thing because we don't, you know, we don't stick to the format. So we do things like whole lot of love blues and uh, <laughs> immigrant song blues. Um, so yeah, you've got those and then you've got, you know, I mean, I don't know, it's countless venues and bars that will have covers bands, uh, original bands, and then you've got, you know, the big venues with the, you know, the proper big pro guys come and play. And you've got some big, in fact, I think the one of the oldest venues we've got is called the Barrowlands, um, and it's really an old venue, but it's, I mean, most bands throughout the world would sort of cite that as being one of the best gigs that they can ever play. In terms of audience and the venue and all that, so oh wow, um, so that's why I've always had a long. I've seen so many bands there, and I actually did. I don't know if you ever saw the. I did a sort of interview with a. So there was a guy, a local guy, doing this, this sort of photography project called the Glasgow Blues Players, and he <clears throat> um, he was organising sort of photo shoots and interviews with different local musicians. So I did. I managed to organise getting access to the the Barrowlands and I was so I had my photos taken on the stage and you know the sort of backstage crew area and all that it was pretty cool nice it's on live I can send you the link it's pretty you know it's okay I think I think, I think you it, did send me that at one point when I, lack or something. Yeah. I think so yeah it's the kind I'm of thing where you do like it's probably the same as what this will be as well where you think you're being quite coherent and amusing or whatever and then you read it back later and you think oh my god sound like an idiot <laughs> So Bob, uh, in line with the uh, the theme today, what do you do when you're not programming? What, what's the one or two things that I would catch you doing if I were to parachute into your backyard? I don't have very many creative outlets anymore. Like 10, 15 years ago, there could have been some drawing, there could have been some writing, there could have been some guitar playing. Um, but kind of in that same year's you know, 10, 15 years back, I started to worry about fitness in my old age. <laughs> so started to take up martial arts because my son was heavy into it. And then uh, 
just kind of started running, which I never thought I was going to do. So most of the stuff that I do that's not kid related now is fitness related for kind of like to get my mind right. I've also started um, floating pretty regular in a deprivation tank. I have another float again tomorrow. Highly recommend that for uh, unlocking some tension and all that good stuff. But uh, yeah, so most of it's physical and uh, meditative related at this point. Not so much creative. Yeah, I think I need to uh, do a similar transition. Hitting the big 4-0, my fitness and my health is is front and center whether I want it to be or not. So I, I hear that and I, I'm with you 10 or 15 years ago. I definitely would have been jamming to get to, heck even five years ago playing in a band but yeah so fitness that's that's not bad speaking of bands richard you you're in one you just released an album right i, I did well it's not it's not really a band so i, I got sort of i mean just before we cover that you you must have been pretty fit when you're in your military days right who me yeah uh fit yes uh yes <laughs> <laughs> I, thought he said, oh, I thought he said fat too. And I yeah. thought, well, maybe he was talking to me and yeah. I wasn't in the military. So go Kevin. <laughs> yeah. So fit. we'll go with fit. Yes. Okay. Yeah. He, he used to have to do all kinds of fitness stuff. I, Kevin and I talk pretty much on the regular, you know, cause we both work from home as people may or may not know. So we kind of ping each other and, you know, Kevin helps me out from time to time, but uh, I've been helping him more with uh, social emotional and trying to get him to get some exercise in to help his body and his funk. Yep, it needs it. So do you think, Bob, then, do you think you've let, so you've let all that other stuff go, you know, the drawing and the, the, the writing and the music. Do you miss that at all now, or is that just no I, longer you know part what? of it? When, when I'm not actively doing it, I don't really, you know, I don't pine for it. I don't sit, you know, like if, if the evening's winding down, I'm like, oh, I wish I would have sketched or written something today. But um, we just had a party a couple of weeks ago for, well, I guess months and some days ago now for my son who moved to Texas and we had a going away party for him and we did some decorations and I was doing some drawing and artistic stuff. And I was like, man, I really miss this. And I really do get tons of relaxation out of that. So I miss it when I'm doing it, if that makes any sense. You know, it reminds me that I miss it. So, yeah, if I can find, it's all about making that time, not even making it. You can't make time, damn it. You take it. So it's just taking that time. But yeah, I would love to get back to more creative things. I was always a shitty guitar player, though. So I probably don't miss that that much. <laughs> I think there's a lot to be said. I mean, I guess for me, the musical thing, um, like I really feel like if there's a period where I'm not doing it, like I feel... Like it's, like it's in my blood. Like I probably, what I tell people is like, if I could have quit by now, I probably would have, because it's pretty frustrating. But it's uh, you know if you're trying to achieve something, but it's just in it's in your blood. So I, I feel like I can't not do it. Um, I'm trying to describe to people why, particularly because I'm a singer, right? First and foremost. So I think um, I've told people that I think the thing I like about you know just singing in front of an audience in general, probably just singing in general, but particularly on a stage, it's like the only time in life where I'm like a hundred percent in the moment. There's no, you know, autopilot stuff going on, which most of us do probably a lot during the day, right? You know, when you're driving to work, 
all that stuff. You, you know, you're not really, you know, all this mindfulness stuff that's getting through. I've read a lot about that. That's my mindfulness thing. You know, I just, I just sing and I'm just in, and it's, it's pretty good. Um, and I feel like I would definitely encourage more of that. You know, if you've got those hidden or forgotten loves, you know, music and drawing and all that, there's a lot, I think there's a lot to be said for that stuff, you know, for your mental well-being. Yeah, Speaking and I love of, the way. You, go ahead, Kevin. Uh, I'm I'm about to go off topic here, so go ahead, Bob. Well, I was gonna say I love the way you describe that. Like it's that one moment where you're truly like just in the moment, and I wish that there were ways for us to find that in our careers. It's like it's weird that maybe we. It, I know it's not impossible. It's happened rarely, but why is it not part of what we do for a living that we can find that much like? peacefulness with that's crazy i don't know programming can be you know i think i tweeted this yesterday but like you know spend so much time swinging between thinking i'm an absolute genius and then thinking i'm a complete moron it's just it's like it's so frustrating and tough and then sometimes it's like it's amazing it comes together but i think you spend more of your time thinking about you know the next step down the road or what might happen or you know i thought maybe that's why you're not really present you're right. thinking about like, the next solving the next problem ahead of time, and I don't, I don't know, I'm guessing, but I'm definitely guilty more. of that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Bob, we uh, we watched on Wednesday the Apple event, the <clears> annual <throat> um, pilgrimage of reporters to was it Cupertino, California? Did you watch uh, all that, Bob? I did. Richard, did you by any chance catch it or were you traveling on that day? No, you weren't. You were back. No, I was back, but I, I don't really tend to. I mean, yeah, they just, they, so what they, they came out and say, we've made the same product, we've taken some features away and we're charging more. Is that? Yeah, <laughs> I, I think you just summed up pretty good. So there's a few things. So they have the Apple Watch, and I, I was reading kind of a, a tweet stream online where they're like, um, the, the watch is you know, all about fitness and they can detect when you're falling, which is a very like old person type thing, you know, help, I help, I can't get up. Um, <laughs> and then it, to get a ticket there is almost impossible. So the, the target audience live streamed and basically it's Apple opened with a geriatric sort of product in my mind. Bob, did you, did you at all think that when uh, you no, saw it? I, I think it was a really useful idea. Well, I can see the satire. I can see the satire in the falling, and I can't get up. But I looked at this. You know, it's funny that Richard started out with take pieces from a product that already exists and then charge more money for it. I feel like this is less. This round of enhancements was less iterative in that regard, in a little bit more of an evolutionary step, in a, a revolutionary step in a lot of their technology. The watch thing, yeah, I fall in and I can't get up. I get that. But the thing is, is that there are people that use their watches that are extreme athletes or think that they're extreme athletes on the weekends. So noticing a, an acceleration and deceleration and lack of movement, that's kind of an interesting thing. Uh, some of the things with the haptic feedback in the crown, I could give two shits about. Um, the fact that they have a, a 64-bit dual core and a watch, that's kind of cool. And uh, the electrocardiogram thing was pretty interesting as well. You know, it's, it, it feels like this is a step up 
to a destination that we don't quite know yet, but the fact that you can get that kind of health monitoring in a consumer device is pretty interesting So to me. So great, great way to spin that one, Bob. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I'm a bit of an Apple hater, though I, I really like my Apple products. I do the iPad Pro for drawing and things like that. But what about the cost? Are you kidding me? You know, like phones are now yeah. north of $1,000 US and, you know, they turn into status symbols and I don't know where it is or how it is where you guys are, but uh, cell phone places get broke into here and all their inventory is stolen because nobody can afford the damn thing and they sell them on the black market. So, are, you know, is, is it crazy to ask more than $1,000 for a personal data device? Because think about all the things you can buy for that amount of money. So, so, oh, I, I, like, so I, I had the Apple, Wo- Apple Watch 2 and I got rid of it because I was just too intrusive. Um, <clears throat> so I'm, I'm kind of on this, uh, this kick where like, I love technology because you know, we make it. It's been maybe not the same high tech as those guys, but we're making stuff that's cool. But I feel like there's a, a balance. Uh, like, let's think about the motivation of Apple. Like, If it was really all about these products designed to help people and enrich their lives, would they really be charging so much money? So, but anyway, aside from that, I, um, I've, I've, you've maybe done this as well. I found myself like getting to the end of a movie and thinking, wait, I never really watched that movie. I was kind of tweeting and tindering and Facebooking all the way. <laughs> so now I put my... I've night, never I, said I've been tindering the whole way through, <laughs> just for the just record. In case, just in just case in my case. wife is listening. Uh, <laughs> So um, so now at night time, I put my phone through in, the, in the, the bedroom and I put it on charge and on silent to try and, and I, I followed this guide, um, this thing, like it's all these steps to try and minimize, you know, like to turn off all the notifications from all the apps, unless it's an app where it's a person trying to reach you, like a messenger or maybe WhatsApp or whatever, but all the, you know, where you get those messages from Twitter saying that this person has tweeted this or you haven't tweeted for for it, you know, all that stuff is gone from my phone now. And it's only the most six used applications that are on my home screen. Everything else is in like folders on the second screen. And I have to, you know, drag down and search for the application. All that stuff I feel is kinda I'm really interested in this sort of ethical side of tech, which I feel how, is lacking. How long have you been doing that six app thing? Uh must be more than a year now, I think. Um, and? It, I, was, I was reading a thing that said that a lot of people, and you might see them doing it, a lot of people, you know, particularly if they've got like half a second of time, they don't know what to do with that anymore. So they take their phone out and they, they just swipe through the screens, but they don't actually open any applications. Or maybe they open Instagram and glance at it and close it, you know. I, I, I fail to see how that's helpful. And, and I was watching a... Again, I can I can find a link if it's useful for the podcast to share it. But there was an interview with a guy, and he was talking about like things like because I feel like there's a big lack of empathy and compassion, right? And you know, everyone's on social media arguing their point, but nobody's really thinking about what the other person, where they might be coming from, and how their life is or their experiences have led to their viewpoints and so on. And this guy was talking about things like. You know, in a normal, before we had cell phones, smartphones, you would go and you'd be waiting outside an office for a meeting to start. 
And, you know, someone says, oh, it'll be a few minutes. So you sit and you turn to the person next to you and you say, so how are you? And they say, I'm not too bad. You know, my, my, my dad was unwell for a few weeks, but, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that's how you build up this sort of, you know, empathy and the bond and connection with people. But, but now when people go to an office, they sit outside and they pull the phone out. And, you know, and you see them on the train and on the bus and, you know, whatever. It's just constant. And it's, I feel like we're definitely losing something, you know. Um, I don't think so I'm really quite. Um, I think it's it's well gone already. <laughs> yeah, well maybe. Yeah, but, but I feel like it's not it's not an unsolvable problem. It's just I don't know what it's going to take to to fix it. But you also said when we were chatting before, you pulled out your <clears throat> iPhone 10. Is that what you said? When? What? Before? To show when, you. Yeah, to show you some picture. That's an iPhone 10, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm on, but this is the thing. I mean, I'm not. I'm not sitting here saying, you know, I'm. I'm definitely part of the, the issue. It's, it's like the. It's trapped me as well. That's what you know. I'm just trying to take some steps for my own right. well-being to try and, you know, to minimise that where I can. You know, like putting the phone in the next room to, just remove the. the so it, you know, it becomes then. Well, I want to use that phone for whatever reason rather than, you know, the phone kind of controlling me. Yeah, exactly. Um, you use the phone. Don't let the phone use you. There's, there's yeah, definitely yeah. an addiction going. So, you know, interesting point, because back when I had my flip phone, you know, the old Motorola StarTac or, you know, something flip phone, not previous to smartphones, that was, you're right, I, that was much more a, a just a phone device at that point. Now these smartphones, it's like an addiction. I mean, we're all addicted to... Oh, I need some information about my phone. Do I, I, you know, I pull it out, I swipe it around, like saying I click on Twitter, I click on Instagram, then I close them. I'm, I don't even know if I'm looking at them per se. I do a few swipes yeah. and then I put it down. Then I repeat again in a few minutes and then I, and so on and so forth. So, and look for the gratification of the, you know, how many likes. I've, I've actually had people tell me that they got upset that, you know, they posted something on Facebook and only like three people liked it. I'm like, really? <laughs> Yeah. Nope. I, I totally understand. <laughs> Just when you said that about the, the flip phone, I think I've realized right now the phone that started all this. Remember the, the matrix? Remember the phone? Yep. The slider. The matrix phone with the you know tank yep. and exit, that thing. That's what started all this. It wasn't the Nokia thirty three ten with Snake. It was the Nokia, you know, the, the Matrix the, one. The Nokia, so, Nokia slider or whatever that was, it was in so the matrix. Yep. Bob and I have talked at great length about how social media can be very unhealthy in general. And I guess the phone is the enabler, right? It's it's the friend who's buying buying the addictive thing. Say, hey, hey man, come over here. I've got what you want. You know, I gotta <laughs> click here, you know, and and to quote Pete Duncanson, the uh, friend of the show, you know, it's a dopamine hit, you know, dopamine. And then later on when you don't get those likes, it's like, ah, oh, you know, I need my hit. You know, it's it's like a withdrawal symptom at this point. So back to the Apple. Um, yeah, I want to bring it back to the price conversation because yeah. you had mentioned how expensive these phones are. Yeah. I will I will throw out there that I would venture a guess that PC sales overall laptops are down. And the prices of consumer laptops are also way down. Yes, we buy expensive laptops because we buy them for their computing power. But mm. unless you're a gamer, you're buying like a Chromebook equivalent. So your, your computer price is way down. And I think a lot of users 
are using that cellular device as their primary computing device because most people don't need anything beyond, you know, simple word processing at home. Yes. So they're, they're, that's my argument there. And phones are more and more becoming status symbols. It's almost like what you don't have the latest, greatest iPhone and then stick a version, you know, at the end. I'm I'm still rocking the Android. I guess out of the three of us, I'm the only one with an Android. I have a Galaxy Note 5. The Galaxy Note 9 looks cool, but at the end of the day, I don't need it. And I'm so glad that I'm okay with that. Yeah, I mean, totally. I mean, I guess the question is, like, find out how much it costs Apple to make an iPhone and compare that to what they're charging for it. Because oh, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll bet you the markup is like so, a couple hundred. If I were to pick apart Apple, which I love to do... Um, <laughs> So as they like remove all the interfaces from their devices and you have to buy dongles and things like that. And then, you know, I, I see a lot of, I buy a lot of cables because they just don't hold up and Apple crossed that trillion dollar uh, revenue mark. So I guess good, good for them, but. Accessories, uh, accessories, accessories. Yeah. Are they making it in the phone hardware or are they making it in all the damn cords you got to rebuy? Probably accessories. You know, I mean, let's be honest, I think I'm pretty sure that makers of various Android phones are making a big profit too. Oh, I'm, uh, yeah. I'm certain. Yeah, they're not sitting in the social supreme, you know, <laughs> social status of supremacy here for sure. Yeah, you're doing it for people. One thing that Apple brought up, this is this is going to be like controversial. I apologize ahead of time. Uh, they brought up during the, the, uh, the event was they said all of our Apple facilities are now on green energy. And it's like, you know, big applause and whatnot. But in a way, I almost feel like it's shaming everybody else. But if you look at the, if you put, put that statement on a timeline, you know, 30 years ago when, or 40 years ago when Apple starting out, um, they were just like everyone else. And, you know, I don't necessarily want to say good job, Apple. Now you are on green energy because does that mean that, all that pollution and all the all the stepping on other people to get there doesn't count or you know it's just kind of this weird thing of yes it's good that you're green energy but are all your all your factories in china that way too or can you say that because you don't own the factories in china you're contracting so i think it was just kind of a weird statement for them to say but it's all i also get the benefits of i think their renewable energy comment was just about the cupertino facility Okay. I think that was just about the spaceship. And and they they were saying that, you know, by changing certain parts that so many tons of tin ore or whatnot didn't have to be mined. So that's that's all great and good. Um, but I I feel like the moral of the story is, hey guys, you can be a green energy too. All you have to do is sell for 40 years, eventually make a trillion dollars in revenue, <laughs> and then you can be fully green like us. And then they, they always do that that thing with their voice where they, they raise the inflection of their voice because it's, hey, everyone, you're supposed to clap right now. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> Dude, there were, some, there were some shitty, shitty speakers in that presentation just across the board. It's oh, like, yeah. why would they not get their their best and brightest presenters that we don't need the names behind the technology presenting. That's irrelevant to me. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, f I feel like Apple events are a character of themselves. It's just like this overly dramatic video with this ultra close up with this really cool reflection and completely b black background. And then, um, <laughs> 
you know, I don't know. I just, it just seems so. Really, the, 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 all that stuff's coming because they're like, the substance is less and less, right? So let's make it shinier and we'll gloss right. over the fact that the product's not really changed. Right. And, and Samsung people like me will say, well, wait a second, that's not really new technology. Dual SIM cards been in Android for how but long? To, to further the fact that I'm definitely part of the problem, like I have, a, I have an iPhone, an iPad, a MacBook Pro. Um, it's just, I, don't, I think I, I swore off. I swore for years I would never use Apple products and I had an Android phone. And then I bought a Mac Mini for some recording software, Logic Pro. Is it? It's really cheap. It's excellent. I could never really figure out Pro Tools properly. And um, it was funny bringing it back to the music thing because I used to work with Pro Tools and I, I, would, I could never get things working, particularly drums and all that. So I would give the guys demos to say, I'm trying to record this album. And they're like, well, we don't really know what you want because this is just an acoustic guitar and you, <laughs> and this is supposed to be like a heavy rock album. So... I switched to, um, I bought the Mac Mini and I got Logic and immediately gave the guys these full band demos where I had drums and I played the bass and guitar and, and they're like, all right, all right, we totally get it. And then like two years later, the album's done. So thanks, Apple. But the, as a little plug, um, <laughs> but, I'd like, but I liked uh, I liked the whole Mac experience so much that I then bought a MacBook and I switched to iPhone and I got the watch and then I got rid of the watch. But... Yeah, I've totally moved. I'm total. Yeah, I do like the products. I just wish they would either make it better each time or just not charge more money for it. So I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't present some conspiracy theories, right, Bob? You'd agree. <laughs> oh, can we, can we can we delay that for half a second though? Because I do want to talk about some of the things that I feel are legitimate technology in these two new phones. Sure, go for it. When they demoed the fact that they're performing a trillion operations on an image. Mm -hmm. And when they also demoed that you could change the depth of field after the photo was taken, that was how much to show how much data is actually in each image that they're capturing that. I mean, you, you can't overlook the fact that they've created the first, I think it was seven millimeter chip or something like that in a phone. And the fact that it's a 64 bit dual core in a phone, yes, it's 6.1 inch, but I mean, still that's really impressive. So I just want to say that, and then you can dovetail into your conspiracy theory. But, but at the same time, like these things, I, I don't, I don't really know what, my, my, what I really feel about these things because I can see the good and bad. So like, it's, you know, it's amazing. But at the same time, like Apple, because everyone, not just iPhone, but it's unfair smartphone technology means that everyone is now, Kevin and I have probably spoken about this, I think, like everyone's now a photographer. Right? So the world is absolutely full of fairly mediocre photographs or, you know, or some great ones and some terrible ones. It's full of photographs. And, and because of like uh, like Logic Pro and Pro Tools and all that stuff, like everyone is now a bedroom musician and like, all this stuff is all this stuff is much more accessible to everyone. And, and what if that's how people can get joy now though? Because I'm not but, a great photographer, but I have a great tool in the palm of my hand that makes me happy when I take a photo that looks so with my eyes. Definitely good. Oh. There's definitely good and bad. I feel like um because like all these um let's call them industries or arts or whatever, they're not completely saturated, but so it's it's now hard. So on the one hand, the technology makes it more accessible 
to you know every person, and it means that also you can have a greater reach because I can have like a, technically a musical fan base in China without never having been to China, so that's cool. But it's also much much harder to actually stand out in any of these fields as well because it's so overpopulated. You know, particularly Kevin's had this this issue with photography and doing the sort of stock photography test. Like probably if you if you Google like the photo of Empire State Building, like how many pictures are you going to get, um, and how many are going to be pretty much the same? And it's I don't know. I, 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 maybe that's just a problem with art in general because it's hard to be original now. But I definitely feel like that with these technologies, there's just both good and bad. It's definitely great that these things exist, but it's also I don't know. It can I guess maybe for like photographers, it was almost like an a, an elite thing, but it was like an art. You had to learn all the techniques of like the ISO and the you know aperture and all that stuff. Whereas now you just point a phone, and you can probably if the lighting's okay, you can probably get a pretty good picture. And it takes some of the skill out of it. And so I'm not really complaining because I do use them and I think they're great. I can just see where maybe in some ways it's not great that every single human being is a professional photographer now. Well, so I admit when I saw that they were doing the uh, the photo thing during the event, I was like, holy crap, that's, that's really awesome. And my wife has an iPhone. Whenever she takes a picture versus my phone, her, she, her pictures look like they were done professionally <laughs> mine just looks like some idiot taking snapshots <laughs> and uh so so i'll give them credit for that but so as far as conspiracy actually it's not really conspiracy theories but it's almost like no matter what apple will have a price point and then uh release technology to justify the price point meaning it's very possible that all the they have a ton of technology ready to go, but they're not going to release it because they want to release it slow enough so they can cash in annually. So that, that's a bit of a conspiracy theory there. Bob, what do you think? Am I crazy? No, I think any good company is going to have a product <clears throat> release roadmap and they have a wish list of the technologies that they want to try to achieve in the next five years, 10 years. And so it's going to create their roadmap. Right, but let's say they have that five-year-from-now technology today and they don't release it for, for a while. I get that that's their business model. But, you know, the business could also say, you know what, no, 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 don't release that feature. It's, it's a killer one. Let's do it next year after we sell through this inventory or, or whatnot. So that's kind of I where it's... A lot of companies probably do that, though, I would imagine. I would imagine too, um, but the price points are getting so ridiculous. It's not like the the iPhones are coming down in price; they are yeah. just going up, up, up and away to a point where I, I've joked before I'm going to have to take out a mortgage just to afford one of these phones anymore <laughs> because a standard credit card or saving money, you know, is just kind of ridiculous uh, proposition at this point for Joe, John John Q Public. And uh, I don't know. I just I just wish. Apple with all their trillion dollar of revenue would actually make something more affordable, but I guess that's just their thing and they don't care if it's affordable or not. Oh, by the way, insert rant about small, medium, large. They sell products based on the, the size of the hard drive and nothing else. It makes no sense to me. All right. <laughs> all right. So, all right. So what do we do in spare time? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's, let's stop talking about Apple. Uh, Cause that's, 
somehow makes me tense. (sighs) (laughs) So, all right. So Richard, you've got music, photography, dating. So I didn't ask, I didn't ask. That's yeah. We'll get to that. Um, (laughs) It's this whole other podcast episode. Um, I never asked, I never answered uh, Kevin's question earlier on about uh, the album isn't really a band as such. It's so, it just uh, over the years, spent so many years, like maybe 10 years, just like putting bands together and then getting to a point where you're almost ready to either go out gigging or start recording and then like one person leaves and then the whole thing just is the house of cards, you know, but, you know and it's pretty frustrating. So I eventually got to the point of just, I'm just going to re- like write an album and just record all the demos, all the all the instruments and then just give it to like session musicians to learn. <clears throat> and basically, so they just came along and basically recorded the parts better than I could play them. Because I can play these instruments, but not well enough for recording. Right, so but you gave them a roadmap from your demo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they, they basically played what I played, but played it better. You know, and <clears throat> there's a couple of really good moments where, you know, the guitarist, for example, would come up with, you know, just a, a simple thing, like uh, there's one song that the, the sort of outro, if you like, the band's just playing this thing in 3-4 time, just this sort of riff, and the guitarist just plays this three-chord sort of progression over the top, and it's just one of those things that was so simple, but I would never have thought about doing it, and it really like just made the song complete. So so they did bring things to the table, Um and uh, so the name of the, the album is, is Wailing Recluse. So I guess that's also kind of like a, a pseudonym as well. You know, so it's kind of like a band name, but it's not. It's like the artist name, I guess. So, um, Who would you say your influences are to, <clears throat> to oh, the you person? <laughs> I mean, any of those 70s guys, right? Uh, even late 60s. So, you know, Beatles and Hendrix and Cream, but then into the 70s stuff like Sabbath and... Led Zeppelin, Rush, Free, Bad Company, uh, Deep Purple, you know, all that, all those guys. I guess um, the, the, I think the opening song, which there is a live version of it on YouTube with a video that we made, uh, that's probably, it sounds kind of a bit like a Black Sabbath song. Um, the rest of the stuff I would say sounds more Zeppelin and Free type. I was going to say, a lot, know, of, a lot of Sabbath, Sabbath meet Zeppelin kind of thing. Yeah, that's what I'm getting the most of. When I, when I, my idea was really that uh, I would give this to musicians that I know, like fairly well-regarded people that have, you know, some of them have recorded, uh, you know, done session work in London over the years, and you know, some older guys, and and I thought, well, if they like it, then but sort of let's say, air quotes, normal people don't like it, then that's cool. I'm quite happy, but it seems that, fortunately that. The non-musicians that I've heard that seem to seem to like it as well, so that's pretty cool. Well, a um, modern band that it kind of reminds me of is a little bit of Stone Temple Pilots influence as well, and I think Stone Temple Pilots got a lot of their influences from a lot of the same bands as well. Yeah. Well, someone said that to me years ago. Uh, gave me some advice. He said, you know, if you want to listen, if you want to sound like the Beatles, for example, then don't listen to the Beatles. Listen to the the bands that the Beatles listened to. So maybe it's the same, but the. I mean, one of the guy. There's a guy, a, a great guitarist, Jim. He, he's sort of the. Well, he does everything, but he, he's he's the 
guitarist in the house band at a couple of jam sessions that I go to and so on. And yeah, I gave him like a pre-mastered version of it a while back. And he, he rang me up and he was like, he was raving about it. He was saying it was just like on in his car on repeat. And he said that it sounded like a like an album from the seventies that he kind of missed the first time round and, and just catching it now. So, uh, so that, that I think that's a pretty good marketing <laughs> uh, position, you know, like a lost relic from the seventies. So when you mastered it, <clears throat> like you know, you talk about this guy going around in his car, and in the history of music engineering, you know, there's been different, you know, where people have totally just mastered it with the studio monitors and didn't think about people driving around in their cars with a radio broadcast. But now we have digital reproductions through, you know, your download uh, services. Like <clears throat> what, what approach did you take in mastering? So, well, the first thing I did was um, we got to the mastering stage. The first time is I said, no, this, this doesn't, this doesn't sound like us. Let's, let's do the mixing again. So it's actually, it's been remixed. Everything was re and all that. Um, but as far as the mastering stage, I just said to the engineer, like, let's just do it for CD and then, you know, like, who cares? Like, I, I, I don't want to cater for people listening on, like, an iPhone speaker because, so that, like, that's... So I may, be, I may be in danger of being a bit snobby or a bit elitist, but the thing is, I don't, I don't need this to be, like, a financial success, right? So the reason for doing it is just for the love of it. You know, so I've written the album of music that that I like, and then if people, if other people like it, that's great. And the reason I'm not putting it on, like, not yet, I will eventually. But the reason initially I'm not putting it on Spotify and all that stuff, apart from the fact that I've got a, like a box of 500 CDs in my hall that I need to sell. Um, I was going to ask how many you got. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've got, I think I've got like 450 left or something. Um, so, but I'm, I'm basically as much as I can, like I'm trying to guide people into, so like Led Zeppelin are kind of my yardstick, you know, across the board. I really liked the the fact that they didn't have any singles because they said that, you know, get in danger of getting a bit kind of wanky for want of a better word, but, you know, a bit snobby. Um, but the album is like the piece of work. It's not like just a bunch of singles that you can. Right. And if that's take, how you made right? it, yeah, right. then why would you break it up? And it doesn't, and it, and honestly, I don't think there's maybe like the, there's two acoustic tracks on it, and you could put you could potentially listen to those in isolation, and they might sound like nice songs. But it makes more sense as an album because in the in that time in the seventies, a lot of the bands, again, particularly Zeppelin, they would have like this long two or three hour show, and in the middle of it, for some light relief, they would have like an acoustic set. So this two two acoustic songs in the middle of the album was like the acoustic set, and it's only nine songs. And uh, so I'm, as much as I can possibly do is I'm trying to guide people into listening to it the way that it should be listened to, as in a full album on a CD player. And I, I don't, I can't control like what the speakers are and all that stuff. And, right. But I feel like if I put it on Spotify, then, you know, if anyone listens to it at all, they may just listen to one song, you know, because everything's too, uh, what's the word, like disposable and instant now. So, like I feel as if they've got a hard copy, they might, and I, I, maybe it's just the case that um, the people that would listen to this are the type of people that want to listen to a full album anyway. Maybe it's that that's who the target audience is. Um, so I'm kind of catering for that anyway. Did you entertain doing wax at all, vinyl? Yeah, I thought about it, but you know, like 
even I don't have a turntable now, so I thought I don't. I thought I thought actually it would be a nice touch to just give everyone in the band, you know, air quotes the band, you know, the people that helped me record, give them all a, like a vinyl copy uh, as, as a gift. But um, but none of them have got a turntable, so. <laughs> <laughs> so I've given them all a CD instead. Um, but it's I mean it's gone. Uh, I mean it's not obviously it's not like I'm going to be number one in the charts and sell a million copies, but. I think like I went to the a jam session the other night and I sold like twelve copies, which which is pretty good considering, you know, you're just in a local bar. Um and you go out and play a couple of songs and then people will say, No, that was good and you say, Well, <laughs> as it happens, I've got a CD here. And then they have to part with a ten pounds. I was gonna say, was it ten? Uh, yeah. <clears throat> I took it to a, I went into a a music a, like an independent record store in Greenwich Village when I was in New York. And I and uh, and I thought, well, these guys like these guys are all you know they they love music, right? They're like the music geeks, like the High Fidelity movie, right? Um, and I went in and I said, listen, do you sell music from like local or independent artists? And he said, not really. And I said, well, I've got a CD that I've made, and I you know I'd be interested in you maybe selling some for me. What if you were selling it for ten dollars? How much would you take from each copy? And he was like, no, it doesn't really work like that. And I was thinking. Well, that's exactly how it works. Um, and he said, well, I could maybe take uh, one copy uh, for like 3 or $4 and try and sell that. And I was like, I don't think you've understood the premise of what I'm trying to say here. <laughs> That's just me selling you a CD. That's, so I just left it. I just thought it would be quite cool to be like, you know, put on Facebook that my album's selling, you know, in the, you know, this store in Thompson Street in the village. But So what you do... And you can do this locally too, because I've been friends with guys and bands and help them rep stuff. You just slide them into the racks. All right. It's kind of like, you know, it's marketing. You look at it as cost of doing business and yeah. someone, will, someone will pick it up. They'll take it to the counter and be like, how much for this? And they'll be like, um, I don't know. That's And then your music gets in somebody's hands. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good idea. Well, I might, I might go back in December anyway, so... Oh, I totally them. would have left one in there. Well, someone said to me, you should have, you should have sold them the one copy because you don't know where that gets to, right? But I don't know. I felt I felt all proud in the moment and was like, nah. No, you fine. just slide three of them alphabetically <laughs> where they're supposed to go. Just slide really? three right there. <laughs> I would see, I need to be, maybe I need to be sneakier because I would never have thought about that. <laughs> so That's old school guerrilla marketing. Pro, <laughs> pro tip. <laughs> So, all right. So anything else that you do for fun to kind of keep your head clear or is music kind of the main one? Well, music's definitely the main. Like you said, I do like the photography thing. I had someone quite recently, a a photographer person on Instagram commented on some photo that I did like a few months ago. Um, In fact, maybe about a year ago now. And he was saying, I was keep up the awesome work or something. And I was like, huh, huh. That's nice, but it's really just a hobby. I just, you know, it's just fun. I probably take music a bit more seriously, but the photography, I feel like it's just, I like, I like doing it. I like, especially like the time lapse stuff. I really like the, you know, the technique involved in that. I enjoy those it, too. They're right. they're nice. Oh yeah. If you get it right, you know, it took me that that one that I did in um, like of Lower Manhattan from Jersey City. Like it takes take a while to get the shot set up. But then, you know, once you get it right, you know, you just kind of leave it alone for half an hour. I always thought, 
before I started getting into the photography, I always thought it was like it was video for the time lapse, but I only discovered recently that it's you know it's individual photographs. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's pretty cool once you so I really enjoy that. Um yeah, as we as we'll briefly touch on once more is that I obviously did a lot of walking with Alfie. And um, so that was a big thing. We used to go, you know, because we've got a lot of Monroe's here, a lot of hills. So we used to do a lot of that stuff. Um, I don't know. Yeah, you touched on dating. <laughs> I don't know if I'd call that, I don't know if I'd call that a hobby or a, a chore now. <laughs> um, I don't, you know, I don't you remember get, anything don't about it. So Yeah, you guys think, like, it's the, old, the grass is always greener on the other side. It's absolutely true. Like, you guys are thinking, you know, I'm sure you love your wife and all that. Yeah, blah, I would blah, never, blah, blah. I would never <laughs> do it again. If if something were to happen, I would just yeah. die alone. It's too much yeah. work. It's, it's so. Uh, so I'll tell you a story. Like it's just so many. I, I meet so many people that are just. Um, well, let me let me be diplomatic and say just wouldn't work out. Um, and I was on this date. I, I think maybe a year or so ago, and. Um, Sometimes you know the problem is with these things is sometimes uh, even if you can be talking online and think yeah this person seems really cool and then you meet you know and they look exactly like the photographs it's not like the tricky they look exactly but it's just a chemical thing that immediately you're like nah this isn't going to work so I, I went along and I met this girl and I was straight away I was like nah but I thought well she's probably she's probably quite a nice person so I'll have a coffee where you know there's no harm. And so she she they got a table and I brought the coffee over and sat down and I noticed while we were talking that she kept her, her phone, her mobile phone was sitting on the table and she kept activating it and then sort of, you know, looking up. And then I was thinking maybe she's nervous, you know, it seems odd, but, you know, people do strange things. So so the next minute her phone started flashing and she sort of looked down and then looked up at me and said, oh, sorry, I, I have to take this. And I was thinking... Mm, really is this what's happening mm. so she she picked up the phone and she said the escape hatch she, she answered the phone she said hello oh are you okay <laughs> and I was like oh my god this is happening and uh, she she came off the phone and she said and that was my friend her car's broken down I, I'll, I'll have to go and get her and I said yep sure um, and but she stayed and was still like sipping her coffee and but she kept looking at her phone still and I was like look just just go, it's fine, I don't care. And uh, and she was like, oh, right, okay, and she left. And immediately I phoned one of my friends and was like, guess what just happened to me? Like, I thought this, <laughs> I thought this, I was so excited about it. I was like, this, I thought this only happened in the movies. And uh, and I, so I told the story to my friend and he said, wait a minute. So she stayed to drink a coffee. Are you sure that she wasn't like genuine and you've just like chased <laughs> her out? Painted her, <laughs> right. You painted her as that person. Yeah. She's left thinking, "What did I do wrong?" <laughs> I I couldn't imagine dating in the year 2018. There's just no way. I've been married since 2006 before all of this technology. The word, I guess, you could have still done the whole take a call thing, but oh my gosh, I just can't imagine Tinder. And there's probably a hundred different apps out there to meet somebody. So that yeah, that brings it back to that um, you know the good and bad of technology, right? So. The good and the good is that you have it's probably safer for women. You know that's good because guys are, you know, assholes, and it's all you know, right? <laughs> by and by and large, and uh, 
And the fact is I can now meet people who I would normally never, you know, I would never be in their circle, you know, from, you know, so that, that's, that opens a lot of doors up. That's cool. But, but it also does make people, uh, and I, I think particularly women, uh, and I may get criticism for this comment, but I think it makes people a bit more, uh, I don't know if superficial is the right word, but a bit more fussy at least, you know, because I think if you're getting like, you know, 20 or 30 messages a day, then you're going to become, pretty, I mean, I would become really picky if I was getting that many messages from women. I'd be like, no, I don't, I don't like the way your left eye is slightly <laughs> larger than, you know, <laughs> you know, it's a slightly different tone of blue, whatever. I don't, Right. So I feel like I feel like that happens, and there's been times where you've been having a conversation, seemingly a pretty nice chat, and then for no reason you just stop hearing from the person forever. And it's uh, I think maybe someone newer and shinier has come along and caught their attention, and it, and so I, th- I think it makes it, it. I don't know whether it creates that in people or whether it attracts people like that. I, I so have a what thing. I'm hearing from you is, is my younger kids, by the time they're old enough to date, and I have one in that range now, um, they none of them will get married because they keep trying to trade up over and over. <laughs> and over. Yeah, yeah. I, it's like those, those cards you get and you trade them out, right? Yeah. I think that in financial is definitely, uh, definitely going to pump the brakes on the whole life, you know, happily ever after kind of thing. Yeah, I think marriage and relationships are kind of on the way out anyway. You guys are, you know, you're sucked in now. You're, you're, you're in there. But, <laughs> no comment. Uh, <laughs> now would be know. a great time for a disclaimer, Bob. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, the thoughts and opinions of Bob and Kevin on the Bob and Kevin show are exclusively and explicitly the thoughts of Bob and Kevin. <laughs> yeah i don't know i mean it's cool it's a good it's good fun but it's uh i think that's probably the truth of the matter is that most people that are doing the online dating thing aren't really taking it seriously i don't i don't know how people really really meet nowadays well we live in disposable and uh discreet messages on social media here you know we live in this like there's an infinite number of people to probably date type society yeah. i don't know how those apps work i know you can sli- swipe left and right that's about all i know and i only know that from talking to other people um but is there an endless supply of people on there i'm just curious well i mean as much as there is in your city right i mean it's not like it's not just everyone oh, is, oh know, so it's you. regional is it only in your region these people well, you can do it so if you're talking about tinder specifically then it's like you have a search Range. I think you can do up to like 100 miles or something, but I don't know why anyone would do that. It's like a desperation um, index. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like if you get really desperate, you change it to like 100 miles, men and women, you know. Oh, wow. <laughs> just like, I'm in the mood to travel today. Let's, let's just the uh, radius. Let's just see what happens. Uh, no, I think <laughs> so you set your you set your uh, your radius and uh, yeah, and if, you know, so you swipe right if you like someone and left if you don't and then if you know, so they've got a match. They've got to have swiped right as well. But because they've added some features, like um, if you pay extra, then it'll tell you, it'll notify you of people that have liked you and show you their profile. Mm. So it's not like it's not as like it's not as much a kind so of chance. It's more like voyeurism, like LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. Bob, Bob looked at my LinkedIn profile. Today. Uh, what does it mean? <laughs> why? Uh, yeah, it's kind of like so. But I don't. I don't really know if um, I would. I would be really interested to see how many people, 
get in relationships from Tinder because uh, it seems like to be like a hookup thing as far as I can see. And people, the thing is, there's, you know, there's other ones like Plenty of Fish, which is free. That's, you know, it's one where you've got a profile and you can send messages to people and be ignored completely. Um, <laughs> but then but then there's other ones like um, Match.com, which, you know, it's, it's like a premium thing. You have to pay quite a lot of money and you think, well, people will take this more seriously because you have to pay money, you know. But it's exactly the same. It's just, <laughs> it's just being ignored. It's, it's being ignored, but paying more money to be ignored. So uh, maybe it's just me. Maybe there's like maybe everyone's really successful in this, and it's just me that's being ignored. But uh, I don't think I, so. I think it's universal that dating is hard. Yes. Yeah, I do much. So much, I'm sure this is probably true of of most people, but I'd certainly do much better than real life and I certainly do much better in New York but I think that's the accent <laughs> yeah because uh, I've heard you sing and you sound nothing like you're talking right now yeah so. I've talk, I've got, uh, so uh, well, a, a mutual friend of ours um, if I should name her name I guess it doesn't matter but Heather you know Heather right and uh, I was out uh, having drinks with her and her friend and, uh, and her friend was telling me like she's like well you just kind of look like a guy from Brooklyn or something, you know, like it's, so it's not, as she says, I think it's, it's, she said, it's not just the accent, but you're also like a terrible flirt. Like, and, and I was like, really? And I thought she's like, oh my God, like unbelievable. <laughs> so um, Weird, so I never I, got that from you. <laughs> apparently I'm a huge flirt. <laughs> I was like, I thought I was just being friendly. Uh, so, and then we did have a really awkward moment as well where at the end, so I, like when I'm in New York, I, like, I totally, tip, I just tipped like 20%, just standard 20%. But we're in this bar and the woman, I, I kind of felt like maybe this doesn't really apply like when you're in a pub. Because the woman, it was table service, but she, I didn't feel like she'd really done anything <laughs> like to want a tip. So, so she gave us the bill and I said, well, I'll, I'll pay by card and you guys just give me the cash. Because uh, that's all they had. So I took the cash and I, I paid by card and the woman brought the, you know, they come over and with a separate thing and make you sign for the tip, which feels really old fashioned. And uh, so I just signed it and gave it back. And she came over and she said, uh, you realize that the tip wasn't included, right? And, and I was like, yep, sure. And uh, she just kind of went, oh, and walked away. So so Heather and, her, and Christina started feeling really awkward and started getting cash out. To t- and I saw, so I said, right, it's fine, don't worry. And so she came over and I gave her like $20. And she seemed fine. I said, "Yeah, I want ten back." <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, she she was like, "So, oh." And then eventually, I just said, "Look, it's fine. Just keep it. Don't worry." That's the only time, that, first time that's ever happened when I've been in America. Though, like I've been actually chastised because I always tip anyway. But uh, I was actually yeah, like, the, the, the tipping thing is that. weird. The tipping thing is very weird. It's so hard. Is it the same in other parts? That's not just a New York specific uh, thing. All though. of America. It's everywhere. Yeah. But is it worse there, like the whole, like if you never tipped in your local restaurant, would they actually ask you like why you hadn't tipped? No, but I, I wouldn't want to face that server a second time because she'll remember. <laughs> I'll get a sneezer. Yeah, yeah exactly. well, especially, yeah, especially if you're your local pub. I mean, you kind of want to keep the, keep the good times yeah, rolling. Yeah, so yeah, you want to yeah. kind of pay it forward. So but I think but yeah. normally when, when I'm in a bar over there, I, I create, happy usually i think maybe because i'm usually sitting at the bar so i would just throw a couple of dollars down on the bar whereas this was a table service thing so just right. i don't know i just in the moment i felt like no nah, you you don't really need a tip here 
but I was obviously wrong and uh, <laughs> suitably chastised. So. No, you so, weren't. You weren't wrong. You were just socially wrong. I was, so just, I was British. Pro tip, pun definitely intended. The more you tip, the more, the better service you'll get if you become a regular. Just saying. Okay. Where's the pun so there? Not, not just pro tip. Pro tip. Ah, oh. gotcha. All right. <laughs> it was, it was early that. on, Bob. So um, not so obviously just not like not just uh, charming with a Scottish accent. That's not enough, right? I still have to. Tip. Not in America. No, you, you've you've got to step up your game over here. <laughs> One other thing uh, that I've I discovered when I was there this time, I was in Brooklyn and uh, I saw I was in a at an Uber and I saw some kids at a local. Uh, I was going to say football. I guess you guys are calling it soccer, so let's say soccer. They were playing. The side, and I just was thinking, I just can't for some reason take America as a whole seriously when it comes to soccer. Like, I just feel like you guys, you're just too late to the party, right? You've got American football, as I call it, and basketball, and baseball, and hockey, and you've got it all. Just, you know, I watched, uh, I watched some. Let everyone else have soccer. <laughs> yeah, I watched that. Uh, but I think the thing is that, like, some, say, like, like countries in, uh, you know, like Brazil and Argentina and, and probably European places, it's like really in the blood. So like from a really young age, like when I was at school, when I was, you know, primary, like if, you know, like when I was like six years old, at the break time, we would be playing football, soccer, sorry. Um, Football's fine. Yeah, but I think the, because I, th- I remember when America started getting kind of serious and becoming part of the sort of, you know, competing internationally in the World Cup and all that stuff. And I kind of felt at the time, well, it's only going to be a matter of time before they take over because you guys will just throw loads of money at it and become the best. But it just hasn't happened. No, and, uh, it's not in our genes. And I watched, uh, I was watching in a, and I was sitting in a bar. They had some uh, New York, um, I don't know what the team was called, but some local New York football soccer team. And I, I was watching like the tackles were all really gentle and soft and all that. And I was like, you guys just, you're just not in this. Like, Stick to the baseball, the basketball. Leave, our, major leave. League, our major league soccer is a little bit more of a fast-paced, not so rough. It's that, you know, because they're getting paid. They don't want to get injured. <laughs> we don't have it. We don't have it at all. No, no. All right, Richard. Uh, we're going to give you a few seconds here to go ahead and basically plug yourself if necessary. Oh. I don't like that. We're going to have to wrap it up. So uh, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do so? I, I can't imagine that they would want unless you mean the authorities, in which case. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, what if somebody wants a CD? How do they get it? Oh, somebody wants a CD. Well, I'm still trying to get my act together. But excuse the terminology. Um, I guess for now, if anyone would be interested, then they could just contact me on Twitter. In fact, there is actually a Wailing Recluse Twitter handle, which is just at Wailing Recluse. Um, and that's, that and that's Wailing Recru- Recluse? Yeah. W-A-I? L-I-N-G. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. Yep. Wailing Recluse. All not wailing. like chasing a whale with a boat. Exactly. No, no, no. Not, not wailing. <laughs> not not <laughs> harpoons. <laughs> yeah. Let me just... Uh, we don't want Peter just, to at yeah. us, so... Yeah, I'm just going to clarify that where we're on. Yeah, it's definitely whaling recluse. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't really do the plug thing. I'm British, right? So 
All right. Well, that's, that's our job to put you in that awkward position to float. <laughs> so. All right. Now I'm going to turn to Bob and put Bob in the usual awkward uh, position. Bob, what do you got for us? We got to bring the lightning. 